let's pray together, and then we will begin our lesson time. Okay. Um, our Father in Heaven, we thank you so much for this day, and thank you for our class time. We pray for your blessing, we pray for your Spirit to guide us and teach us. Please instruct us in the words of life. Help us to understand clearly the message of the Bible, and help us to know your will and your plan and your working among, uh, among people and, and also in our lives. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Um, today, we're going to look at Mark chapter 9. We will look from verse uh, 42 to 50. We will study this portion of Scripture. And then we are going to address uh, one of the questions um, that, is, that is brought up in this chapter. Um, one, of the, one of the big questions about uh, the Bible's teaching on the subject of, of death and also of hell. Um, Hellfire is a subject that the Bible does talk about, and I think it's also a largely misunderstood uh, topic. Uh, many people do not understand very well exactly the Bible's teaching about this subject of hellfire. Uh, so because the chapter addresses it, we are going to spend some time to talk about that subject. Um, but let's look from verse 42 to 43, and maybe let's, time, let's start with Betty this time. Mm -hmm. And if anyone causes one of these little ones who believe in me to sin, it would be better for him to be thrown into the sea with a large millstone tied. Millstone, millstone. Uh, millstone. Millstone uh -huh. tied around his neck. If your hand causes your uh, you to sin, cut it off. It is better for you to enter uh, eternal life. Enter life. Uh huh. Mm. Uh, uh huh. Right. And that, that is that is eternal life. It says enter life, but the idea the idea is life. eternal life. Uh huh. Uh, then read the two hands to go into hell. And there the fire never goes out. Where the fire never goes out. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Let, let's stop there for just a minute. Okay. Um, I want to touch on verse 42. Jesus had been talking a little bit about the children in the last few verses, right? Um, and the importance of being, being like a, a child also and respecting and accepting children in his name. And then he said in verse 42, If anyone causes one of these little ones who believe in me to sin, it would be better for him to be thrown into the sea with a large millstone tied around his neck. Yeah, a millstone was for grinding in the mill. They would um, take all the grains and grind. And they had a very heavy stone to smash and grind all the grains and make some flour or powder to cook with. Uh, so Jesus says, Okay, if you cause a little one who believes in me to sin, if you hurt their faith, um, God will judge. Right? Uh, Jesus is watching out for people. And he's looking out for uh, the young children. He's also looking out for those who are uh, his children, those who have faith in him, those who believe in him, those who trust in him. And Jesus says, if someone uh, hurts the faith of these children um, and someone causes them to sin, uh, they're going to pay a big price. You know, yeah. Yeah. Well, he says it would be even better for them if that happened. <laughs> okay, if they were, if they died like that, he said it would be better for you than receiving the punishment that's coming. So, Jesus is very, very serious about protecting his loved ones and about protecting little children who are innocent. Uh, and who also need to have faith and need to know their Creator, right? So we should know that children belong to God, and, and also we belong to God. Even if we did not surrender ourselves to God, God does own us still, you know. God did create people. He made up all of us. So um, God cares about us, and uh, God cares about children. And even maybe as a parent, we also need to take care of children 
and remember they don't just belong to me. Actually, these children belong to God. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, they're they're these kids. Yes, okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah, these Okay. These kids belong to him, you know. So we have a responsibility to care for God's kids um, and realize, well, we're raising them for the King of Heaven, right? Um, so we also want to make sure that they know about their Creator, you know, that we that we teach them about God, we teach them about God's love. We help them to have faith in God, trust in God, um, as a parent uh, who who knows about God. Uh, we also have this responsibility to train up our children, to teach them about the love of God and uh, help them to understand about God. Um, this is a responsibility uh, to guide these young ones and help them to know and to love their Creator. Right. How did your parents, uh, parents uh, raise you? How? you? Oh, they, they took me to church when I was a young person. Uh, and they, you know, taught me um, different Bible lessons at home. We would read sometimes different things from the Bible. Yeah. So I think we could have done a lot more of that in our family. I think that probably uh, in some ways my parents missed uh, doing some things we should have done in terms of teaching about God. Certainly they did teach me some things. And one, one thing I remember especially is that they read me lots of Bible stories. Um, when I was young. We had some very nice Bible story books uh, that, that talked about the many Bible stories and showed many pictures, you know, of the like different... How old are you when you uh, read the Bible? Uh, well, I was like uh, maybe five years old or something, I remember. Yeah, but we had the, we had the Bible story books and I remember those stories, uh, and especially the pictures and most of the famous Bible stories, like David and Goliath, and you know um, Samson and Delilah, and they, when they when they was outside, uh -huh. usually uh, they kind to others. They, mm. uh, but when uh, when they came back home, uh -huh. they turn into they changed their uh, characters mm. like hypocrites. Hypocrites, yeah, yeah, hypocrites, yeah. Some people I like but that. Their parents. Uh, no, I don't think they were like that. Uh, my, my mom uh, usually was very sincere um, about her belief. Um, I, my dad, I'm not sure uh, <laughs> about his situation as much. In some ways, maybe he didn't follow exactly like um, he should have, I think. Um, but, yeah. They, they tried to teach us about, about God. I think, you know, personally, looking back, there's things that I would probably do different to instruct my kids in the Bible. Um, I would teach them a lot. Uh, I, would, I would have them study a lot <laughs> in the Bible um, and memorize Scripture very diligently. But I do remember we'd, we memorized Scriptures. We talked about spiritual lessons and things like that. I think it just, it just fell out. The, my parents lost that consistency. As I was growing up, I didn't really have regular worship with my parents. And I think that's where maybe there was some, some failure that, that I would want to replace. I would want to teach my some kids more. Case, some parents' kids, uh -huh. uh, they, they always uh, told a good, uh, good words to mm -hmm. their children, mm -hmm. But uh, they they didn't became they didn't become a good example. They mm, that's important. Mm. So important to have a good example yeah. for its kids. Yeah, children learn by three it's things. It's not easy to follow the kind of person. Uh, only speak. They yeah. Practice at all. Oh yeah, you can't exactly. It's like well, hello, hello. That's a really bad example. Yeah. Someone once said, somebody once said, there's three ways to teach a child, okay? They said, example, 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 <laughs> right? Three ways to teach a child. So it is very true that children absorb their environment around them, and especially example is so important. Yeah, if you speak uh, the Christian message, but you do not live the Christian message, 
uh, children will also understand this situation and they will not be um, very pleased. We do make mistakes sometimes. Um, children are sometimes very open. Uh, <laughs> okay. So I think it's something to pray about that God will help us to respond rightly and deal with the children. Now I think sometimes parents do get angry and sometimes there's a reason to get angry, okay, but we don't need to live in anger and we don't need to, you know, have life be like that all the time. We need to... Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Yes. <laughs> so by God's grace and prayer we can overcome. Yeah. Alright. That's good thought. Uh, so, in this next part, Jesus brings out this idea. Um, there is some difference here between the, the King James Version of the Bible and between this, uh, this version. Let me read to you. Okay, this is coming from, um, again, Mark. Okay, and Mark chapter 9, verse 43. Okay, uh, so it says, uh, basically, if your hand causes you to sin, it's better to cut it off and throw it away from you, uh, to enter life maimed or wounded, than to go into um, this hellfire, okay, where it says the fire never goes out. Um, the King, okay, NIV puts it that way, King James Bible says, into the fire that never shall be quenched. It's the same idea also never put out. Cannot. Quenched means we, we, we throw something on top of the fire to choke out the fire. Like we throw some water on top of the fire to quench. Yeah. Also your thirst, your thirst can be quenched. You have this feeling like, oh, so thirsty, right? And we, we need something to quench our thirst. Yeah, quench. Uh, Q. U E N. Q U E N C H E D quenched. Yeah, and quench quench and quenched. Okay. So this fire will never be quenched or put out. Um, you can quench your thirst by putting out your desire for thirst. Okay. Um, so uh, then it says in verse uh, okay, verse forty three. Now you notice something strange about the NIV, okay? There is no verse 44, and there is no verse um, 46 in the NIV. Did you see that? Yeah, it just goes 43, 45, 47. Okay. Uh, the NIV passage does not, does not include those verses in their text because I think their manuscript didn't have them. Um, the King James Bible, uh, when they use the the received text. Um, it's a very popular uh, Greek manuscript or Greek manuscripts. Okay, it, it mentions verse 44 and it mentions verse 46. But basically it's a repetition of verse 48. See verse 48 says, where their worm does not die and the fire is not quenched. Mm -hmm. Okay, that, that phrase is repeated three times in the other Bibles. Like if you read it in the King James, NIV Bible does not have it. Um, they do not include verse 44, and they do not include verse uh, 46. Okay, but, but basically it's the same thing as verse 48. It just repeats three times. It says, where their worm does not die and the fire is not quenched. That's verse 44. 46 says, where their worm does not die and the fire is not quenched. So three times in the chapter it says that same thing. And it's basically taking it from Isaiah 66. That's the last chapter of Isaiah at the very end. It mentions this idea. Um, and so we're going to talk about that after a little while. Okay. Um, but Jesus mentions this hellfire. And uh, in verse 45 he says, And if your foot causes you to sin, cut it off. It is better for you to enter life crippled than to have two feet to be thrown into hell. Okay. Um, is Jesus teaching that we should cut our bodies? Is he teaching we should cut off our hand and throw it away? Or cut off your foot 
Oh, if you went to the wrong place, you better cut off your feet. <laughs> Is he saying to literally destroy your body? Uh, no, please don't take the words exactly in that way. Okay? God wants us to preserve our body because it belongs to him. Right? Um, God wants to heal those who have been hurt. Right? Okay? But the lesson Jesus is teaching is that sometimes we have things in our life that we think are very important things. And maybe they are in some ways. They're important. Um, and maybe also it's very painful to lose something or to let go of something. Uh, if you try to cut off your hand, that's a very painful experience. Right? Or if you cut off your foot, that's also very painful. Right? And the third example Jesus gives is um, in verse 47, I believe. Uh, if your eye, he says, if your eye causes you to sin, pluck it out. Just pull it out, for it is better for you to enter the kingdom of God with one eye than to have two eyes and be thrown into hell. Right? Okay, also, this would be a very painful experience. Imagine you look at something you shouldn't all pluck out my eye. <laughs> Okay. It's, it's not literal. Yeah, it's not. He's not telling us to do that. I'm. Yeah, don't no. don't misunderstand How me. Can we understand? Okay. Okay. So there are things in our life that that um, perhaps are very close to us, you know, um, and we think we should need them, but maybe uh, we need to get rid of them if they're causing us to sin. Sometimes it's a relationship. Sometimes we have a relationship, and in this certain relationship. Uh, this person is causing us to sin. Or we have a weakness, maybe, and this person knows our weakness, and uh, they always like tempt us to sin, or they ask us to sin, or something like that. And if you just stay together in that situation, that relationship, you know, because, oh, I can't say goodbye, oh, I can't stop going to see them, or something, uh, you're going to have serious problems, right? And you may, you may just get, you know, live, live a life of sin and not follow God's righteousness, but in the end we're going to pay with hellfire. It says there is judgment for our sin. We could lose our eternal life you know, because we're living a sinful relationship. right? So, so Jesus teaches that it's better for you, even if you think it's very close to me. He says it's better for you to just pluck that eyeball out or you know, separate from that situation or that relationship that's causing you to sin. Yeah, sometimes it's like that. It could be a relationship that's very close, you know, uh, something that's in our life. And sometimes people have a very close connection to things. You know, sometimes people love a certain thing so much and they, you know, they just always want to follow that. And Jesus says, wait, let it go, let it go. This thing is causing you to sin. Uh, you need to get rid of this thing from your life, right? It's better if you enter life with some wound, okay? You have, a, you have a missing hand, you have a missing foot, but you made it to heaven, right? He says it's far better for you to do that, to go to heaven and have eternal life, you know, um, than to try and hold on to those things or those people or those relationships and live a life of terribleness and sin. Right, and then pay the price of judgment. Right. So cutting hands, cutting, picking out the, picking out the eyes. Mm -hmm. That means that it compares to mm -hmm. a relationship. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Just it can. Yeah. I use that as an example. Okay. I use that one as an example. But something that is very close to us, something that may, we maybe depend on, or you know, or use. Okay. But it's causing us to sin. Right. Yeah. In many cases, I think it could be a relationship. Right. Uh, it could be a relationship to a certain family member or a certain friend or something. And maybe we cannot control the situation very well. And it's always our weak spot. And, it, and it's, it's just every time we're committing some sin, you know, because we're in this situation. And Jesus says it's better for you to separate from that and, and to even, even lose a friendship. Right or even lose something else, um, you know, just so that you can do God's righteous will and not live a sinful life. Right? The kind of uh, things doing by myself and not others. 
What is it? Yeah, the kind of things doing mm -hmm. by myself, uh -huh. by others. Oh, okay. Right? Okay. Mm -hmm. uh, you mean if there's a sin that you're doing on your own? Yeah. Hmm. And it's not involved, no relationships, just you're sinning by yourself? It's not only uh, mm -hmm. focused on my fault. Uh, mm -hmm. The sins uh, doing um, by myself. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and the sins that connected other people are uh, doing by myself. Understand? Mm, okay, wait, yeah, you're, yeah. Uh, you're saying, okay, there could be some sin that we're doing by ourselves, and maybe it's not another person who's influencing us? Or this sin. This yeah. sin? Yeah. This, well, whatever the sin is, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whatever causes you to sin. He says, if your left foot causes you to sin, if your right eye causes you to sin, um, if your hand causes you to sin, cut it off. So whatever is causing you to sin, you know, yeah. If, it's, if there's something in your life that is causing sin, a sin problem, you need to get rid of that thing. You know, if it was a bad relationship that's causing you to sin and disobey God, um, if it's something else that's causing you to sin and disobey God, Jesus says you need to get rid of it. Even if this is painful struggle for you, right? You're like, oh, I don't know if I can. You have to. You have to, Jesus says, right? Um, you have to let it go, get rid of this thing and separate from it or this relationship, separate so that you can do God's righteous will, right? So um, this was, this was the, the main emphasis of Christ's teaching. Okay, he used an example, okay, your hand, your foot, your eye, right? It's an example, okay? But, um, but the main idea, if something is causing you to sin, uh, you need to get rid of that thing so that you do not sin, right? So that you can do God's will. That this was the main emphasis. Now, as Jesus mentions this, he, he also mentions the severity of the punishment. When we lose eternal life, he says we die in the fires of hell. Um, now, I'm gonna have, we're going to have to talk about that because... Also, this teaching is, I think, very misunderstood about hellfire. Um, it says, where their worm does not die and the fire is not quenched. And let me just comment on verse 49 and 50. I don't understand why uh, did they use the worm. Okay. Hold your what question. What is their worm? Worm means bad things, I think. Uh, okay. Uh, let, me, let me come back to that one. We're going to talk more about the worm. Okay. Um, it's an expression from Isaiah. Okay. The worms would eat people's flesh, right? Yeah, worms eat your eat dead meat. A worm, no, literally, a worm eats dead meat. Yeah. Yeah, flies will lay the egg in the meat of something dead, and it dies. He says that their worm. It's nasty. Stop. These worms. It doesn't die. It just keeps eating. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because there's always something for it to eat. Yeah. He says, their, their worm does not die because it's always just eating. You know, there's plenty of food for the worms, right? Lots of food for the worms. Okay, so um, in verse 49 and 50, it says, everyone will be salted with fire. Now, what does he mean, salted with fire? Okay, notice the next verse. Salt is good, but if it loses its saltiness... How can you make it salty again? Have salt in yourselves and be at peace with each other. Right? Have salt in yourselves. So salt is good, but if you lose the saltiness, it's not good for anything. Right? If it doesn't have the flavor of salt, it's not good. So what is Jesus talking about? Well, this compares with many other places where Jesus talks about the same principle. Matthew 5, Jesus talks about you're the salt of the earth. Okay? Um, okay, yeah, salt, salt is an influence, right? Before we, we talked about the influence of leaven or yeast. Okay, remember the, the bad influence of the Pharisees. Jesus says, watch out for the influence of Pharisees, the, the leaven, the yeast of the Pharisees. Watch out for the yeast of Herod, right? 
um, this, this negative influence, right? Well, Jesus here is talking about salt as a positive influence. It only takes a little bit of salt to change the flavor a lot. You just sprinkle some salt into your soup or something, and you watch how the flavor quickly changes, right? And don't put too much. Be careful about this, you know, when you're eating because, ooh, it'll be so salty, right? But it just takes a little bit of salt to go a long way. And the salt is very strong. The salt has a very strong influence, right? So Jesus says, okay, first of all, everyone will be salted with fire. Um, in one sense, okay, fire is a representation of the Holy Spirit, okay? Matt, uh, John the Baptist talked about that when we read it in the book of Matthew. Um, in the book of Acts, chapter 2, the Bible talks about the Holy Spirit, God's Holy Spirit, um, falling on the disciples and giving them great power from God. Um, the Holy Spirit uh, came as a symbol of fire. They could see this, this fire, heavenly fire. So um, when Jesus mentions being salted with fire, he's also talking about the the influence of God's Spirit, the Holy Spirit, right? Yes, yes. Our life will be seasoned or salted or sprinkled with God's fire, with the Holy Spirit, right? With the presence of God, His Spirit will be in our life. When we are walking close with God, we'll have His Spirit, right? Um, yes. How can you make it salty again? It means that we never make it again. Okay, well, well, he says if the, if, yeah, if the salt loses its saltiness, um, you, how can you make it salty again? Um, salt just has to be strong on its own. It has to be, you know, you have to be, so if I to be useful. It, I can't make it, I can't make up again. Well, again. I think it's not, it's not saying that. Let me, let me read to you. Um, okay. Let me read it in the King James, just how it sounds, so you can understand a little difference in English. Okay, it says, Salt is good, but if the salt have lost his saltness, or saltiness, wherewith will ye season it? Or, what, what can you use to season with? If the salt loses its saltiness, then what do you have to season with? Right? You don't have anything if the salt loses its saltiness. Um, so, so, maybe be careful how you take that idea. Yeah. The way, especially the way it's expressed here in the NIV, um, in this case, yeah. Um, so have salt in and your. It's, mm -hmm. it's this is this NIV. is, and this it's is King James. I'm reading. It's very good to understand what I think. It's. Very it's very helpful. I, oh, but why in Korea we must use the NIV Bibles? Probably it's a conspiracy. <laughs> I don't know. It's a very popular brand that the, the, the NIV, Zondervan Company has marketed the NIV Bible to many places around the world because it's a simple uh, English expression or English translation. Um, the, the King James is, um, is also, I think, very well done. We've had it for a long time. Um, but some of the English words are very old, you know, so. Yours. Hmm? How about yours? NIV? My personal study Bibles are King James and New King James. Generally, I study from those. This one is uh, this one is NIV and Korean. Yeah, yeah. I just use it for class. I can understand Everyone will be salted with fire. Uh, yeah. This is this is referring to God's people being salted with fire. Um, it, it means being being sprinkled or being seasoned with the Holy Spirit, God's Spirit. Um, okay, uh, if you want to, I, I, I just think, okay, this Bible study is going to be maybe two days, okay? Probably we're going to continue this lesson on Monday, okay? All right, so, but that's okay. If you have questions, let's talk about it, okay? Um, and so then, then um, we will also continue the same same lesson on Monday, okay? Um, but yeah, okay, the fire, being seasoned or salted with fire. Okay, let, let's just compare with, um, with uh, Matthew chapter 3, okay? Let's go to Matthew 3 for just a minute.
Okay, Matthew 3. I've got page 3 or page 4 in the New Testament. Alright, and then looking from, um, from verse... Okay, from verse 11, this is John the Baptist speaking. He says, oh, let, let's, um, yeah, I'll let you find it first. Okay, Matthew. Oh, uh, Matthew chapter 3. Chapter 3. Yeah. Some John. Not 11. Not 11. No. Chapter 3, verse 11. Yeah. Okay, okay, now, verse 11. Okay. So John the Baptist says, I baptize you with water for repentance, but after me will come one who is more powerful than I, whose sandals I am not fit to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. Um, and of course, this is basically the same illustration. Um, this fire is of the Holy, the Holy Spirit. And then he talks about, uh, verse 12, his winnowing fork is in his hand, and he will clear his threshing floor, gathering his wheat into the barn, and burning up the shaft with unquenchable fire. Okay, so he talks about two ideas here. You might not be familiar with those words, winnowing fork, winnowing fork. Okay, he's talking about the harvest time. Harvest time. They take the they take the wheat uh, uh, from the field and they they beat it, you know, yeah, separate it, and they take the the grass part and they take the wheat berry, right? So um, the winnowing fork was part of the, one of the tools for beating and separating, yeah. And so uh, they would do that, and then he says that he will gather the good stuff, the wheat, into his barn, and he will burn the shaft, which is the broken leftover pieces. He will burn it with unquenchable fire. Okay, so this is, this is the fire of judgment. There, there's two types of fire mentioned here. Okay? There's fire of judgment, the leftover bad stuff receives. Okay, the other type of fire is this um, baptism of the Holy Spirit. Right? Yeah, which is for God's people. We receive the blessing of his, of his Spirit, the Holy Spirit. And so that's what, what John the Baptist is pointing out. He'll baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. And then he'll, he will send judgment on the wicked. There right? is some describe about baptism mm -hmm. with fire. Yeah. Oh, how, yeah. How, how did they do? Uh, well, God, God basically did that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, baptism by water. God said you should do this. Um, we we still do baptism today by water. Baptism by fire. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. It's in several places in the Bible. Uh, we can look at a couple of places. Uh, one of those. No, they didn't put them in a fireplace. No, no, no. Uh, they wouldn't do it like that. No, it's something that it's symbolic. It's symbolic. There's no fire involved. Okay, that kind. Not real fire. Okay, the judgment of God is going to be real fire, okay? Like, like hellfire, that's going to be a real fire. Okay, but the blessing of God, the Spirit of God, is not real fire. It's a, yeah. Oh, it makes sense now? Okay, you can even see between these two places. Yeah, the comparison. Yeah. Um, also, another place we can just look for a moment is in Acts chapter 2. Okay. Yes. Mm. Acts is in the New Testament. Uh, it is the. It is right after the Gospel of John. Okay, Acts two. I've got page one hundred eighty-eight in the New Testament. Yeah, one hundred eighty-eight. One hundred eighty-eight. Uh huh. No, it's after John. Acts. Yeah. Right. 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 Acts. Okay, and then here in chapter 2, there was the, the day of Pentecost. And it says, uh, When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues or languages as the Spirit enabled them. You know, the Holy Spirit, right? 
So um, God sent this baptism of the Holy Spirit from heaven. And in this case, they were able to have this gift from God to speak other languages they never learned before. Yeah, uh, This is called this gift of, of tongues. Uh, they were able to communicate or speak uh, the gospel in another language they had not known before. Right? Um, that was just one gift. Okay, there are different things in the Bible. There's gifts of the Spirit, and then there's fruits of the Spirit. Okay? Uh, fruit of the Spirit is evidence of the Spirit, like love, joy, peace. Please put on silent mode. <laughs> okay. um, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, you know, meekness, self-control. Uh, these are the, these are the fruit of God's Spirit. Um, the gifts were a little bit different. There was gifts of administration, like for leadership. Right there is gifts of um, of uh, teaching. Uh, there's gift. There's a gift of healing. There's a gift of um, of tongues, being able to speak another language you never learned to communicate the gospel. Uh, those were things we found in the Bible. Okay. Uh, how can we call the language to talk with God? Uh, okay, we're not going to talk about that today. Direct, You can. To connect to uh, let's talk. Let's talk about that one another time. In okay. Korea, I, I, I know. Hang on. Yeah. We use we use the word tongues. Tongue language. We use the word tongues. Even this the one right here. But it means languages. Actually, yeah. it means languages. But um, didn't hear like a language. Well, okay. We're not going to talk about that one today because mm. it's a big it's a big subject. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because, uh, my friend said to me, uh, yeah. if I bless the lot, I no. can. Yeah, some, tongue, some people. I can't tell But I didn't, I don't know that it's true. I wonder if it is true or not. Did you see that? Can you uh, say that? I don't do that. Not like that. No, no, no. Oh. No. Okay. Uh, We'll have to talk about it another <laughs> class time. Okay, okay, that's a big, big topic. Okay, um, there's a there's a whole Bible study that I do on that on that exact subject. Okay, um, so, uh, <laughs> but basically, again, we see this idea of the Holy Spirit uh, presented as fire, comes down like fire, um, and and fills God's people. Uh, so, so again, Jesus says everyone will be salted with fire. We receive the Holy Spirit, and then we should be like salt. He says we be an influence uh, to the world around us, to the people around us. You know, we should we should be a positive change or positive help in the lives of others. Um, we should we should positively uh, influence and help the people around us. Uh, so also more people can understand God. Right. This is what Jesus. Hot, that if you, if you have salt, it should be salty, and it should be useful to change the flavor of things. The salt doesn't change, but the salt, the salt changes the flavor of things, right? And that's basically what Jesus is pointing out. Yeah. So we want to be this uh, salt, and uh, also just uh, do God's will. Okay, well that, that's the basic idea of, this, uh, of these final verses of the chapter. And... Uh, Jesus points out that, that there's a very serious punishment for sin. Okay? Sin is not a very light matter to God. Sin is a very heavy issue. Right? There is a very serious punishment for sin. And the Bible tells us about um, this hellfire that punishes sin right? um, and destroys sin and wickedness and all things. Um, I believe also it's a misunderstood topic, even among many Christians. They don't understand very well or very clearly the exact Bible teaching about hell. Okay. Um, we're going to be learning about that um, from, from today and also tomorrow, or, or not, not tomorrow, but uh, Monday. Okay. We're going to talk about that a little bit more. Um, we still have some time today, so we will maybe just begin our introduction or our journey. Okay. So uh, the question, the first question that often comes up is, um, what happens? What happens when we when we die? What does the Bible say about death? 
and hellfire. Some people think, okay, well, if we're bad, maybe we die, we'll just go right to the hellfire. Okay, um, is, this, is this what the Bible uh, teaches about the subject? Uh, what I'd like to do is read from John chapter 5, okay, John chapter 5, and it's after Mark, and it's after Luke, okay, and we're going to look at verses 28 and 29. John 5, verses 28 and 29. Okay, next page. I have page... John No, John 5. Mm -hmm. Okay, it's maybe page 151. Page 151. Okay, and uh, here Jesus says some very important words that I think, I think sometimes many people, they just read over them so quickly and they don't grasp the full meaning of Jesus' words. Okay. Um, I think there's, a, there's many Christians also who just sometimes they read and they're like, oh, they just see it, but they don't understand. Okay. Um, from verse 25 to 20, no, I'm sorry, 28, 28 to 29. Okay, chapter 5 of John. Do you have chapter 5? Okay, yes. can, can you read Susan for us? 28. Uh-huh. Do, do not, um, not be, or don't, okay, uh-huh, do not be amazed. Not be amazed this for the time is coming when all who are in the graves uh -huh. will hear his voice and come out. Those who have done good will rise to live, and those who have done evil will rise to be con condemned. Condemned. Okay. Yeah, thank you. Okay. So Jesus says, um, there will be a, a resurrection, okay, um, that Jesus will bring uh, people to life. As a matter of fact, verse 25, Jesus said, I tell you the truth, a time is coming and has now come when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and those who hear will live. That's a spiritual, spiritual way um, that he's saying that. Okay, but you notice here in verse 28, uh, for a time is coming, do not be amazed at this, for a time is coming when all who are in their graves will hear his voice and come out. Okay, now that has not happened yet, right? This resurrection. Uh, he says that those who are in the grave, they'll hear Jesus' voice and they will come out. One example, one person we know of in the Bible um, who came out of the grave was Lazarus, right? Uh, the friend of Jesus. There was a friend of Jesus. Um, he also had two sisters, Mary and Martha. Lazarus, uh, he ended up getting sick. And uh, Jesus did not come to see him right away for maybe like a couple days or several days. And Lazarus actually died. He was so sick. Um, and he was dead for four days. Four days. And Jesus came there on the fourth day. And... Uh, his sisters were crying and people were crying. They had some funeral. They already wrapped his body and they put his body into a tomb uh, on the mountainside. Okay, and so uh, Jesus ended up resurrecting Lazarus. He, he said, he went to the tomb and he said, Lazarus, come forth. And the Bible tells us that Lazarus came to life, right? Uh, so that's one, one example where Jesus speaks his voice and the dead person in the grave comes to life, and he literally comes out of the grave, out of the tomb. Uh, so uh, we have not seen this happen yet, where he says, all who are in the graves will hear his voice, and they will rise. He has spirit, that body. No, his body. His body, he comes I mean, out. Because huh? you know, dead person, mm -hmm. they only left their bones, that flesh. Yeah, right. So, but God, God repairs. Adam and Eve, okay, when God made Adam, God formed Adam from the dust of the ground. And he breathed into him the breath of life and he became a living soul, living person. So, when God makes people, okay, even if your body is dust, you know, it's not a problem for God. Okay, God creates the human body from dust. And if we die, our body returns to the dust, 
right? Yeah. So uh, Jesus says he's going to resurrect and bring to life. Um, and literally, we will have new bodies, okay? Not the old body that's destroyed in the grave or something. But we will come to life. He says we will rise to life, right? So this is the resurrection that Jesus talks about. And he, he tells us in verse 28, um, the time is coming, right? Now, is coming, is that like a past tense, present tense, or future tense? Future tense, right? Yeah, is coming. Okay, the time is coming um, when all who are, who are where? Where are they? Okay, they're dead people. And, and where are these people? Where? In the, in the graves, right? Jesus says all who are in the graves, right? Okay, so they're, they're in the graves. And um, Jesus says all who are in their graves, okay, they have died. Um, he says they will hear his voice and they will come out. Even like we saw Lazarus came out of the grave. Lazarus came to life. Um, Jesus says they will come to life. Right, they will come out of the grave, um, but they will have a new body. There will be, you know, there will not be some problem. Okay, very healthy, very young, very beautiful, perfect body, just like God designs, right? Or God desires for us. And this is the resurrection Jesus is talking about. He says the time is coming when this will happen, right? It's in the future. They're gonna hear. Every person will hear. And every person will come to life. And then he says um, in verse 29, okay, those who have done good, those who are righteous basically, they will rise to do what? To live, to experience eternal life. They will, they will rise from the grave to experience eternal life. So actually when we rise, then we get to experience eternal life. This is what Jesus was teaching. And he says, those who have done evil will rise to what? To be condemned. Be condemned. Okay. He says they'll, they'll rise to be condemned. Okay. Now, if Jesus says, uh, this time is coming in the future, okay, does that mean, can we say that the people are already experiencing that now? Uh, okay. Okay. Right, not now, right? It is coming, right? Okay, we haven't seen the resurrection yet. It hasn't happened yet, okay? That means it's not happening, okay? So some people think, all right, maybe many dead people are suffering in some hellfire someplace right now. Even many Christians think that, okay? But the Bible doesn't say it like that. Jesus says the time is coming in the future when people are going to experience their punishment, okay? Imagine if people were already dead and they're suffering in the grave, you know, and then they, uh, then Jesus says, okay, time to resurrect and be condemned. Time to come to, come to life and then you'll be punished. That they're doesn't, just waiting for punishment. they're waiting for punishment, right? They're not, they're not, they're not currently being punished. They're dead right now. And Jesus says they're going to rise to be punished. Right? They will face their punishment. They're waiting for punishment. Right? It wouldn't make any sense okay, if you say they're in hellfire right now, burning, and then Jesus is going to resurrect them and say, okay, now you must be condemned. Wait a second. They're already condemned. If they're burning in hellfire right now, how can you say that? Mm. Right? But there's a comment about how, how will he condemn us? Mm. Well, the wicked will be condemned. Jesus took our condemnation, okay? Every person is a sinner. Every person deserves punishment for sin, okay? But Jesus says there's no more condemnation to those who belong to him, those who are his. Uh, Jesus took our condemnation on the cross. Jesus took our punishment on the cross. And if we receive what Jesus has done for us, uh, we don't pay that condemnation because Jesus already paid for us. He already paid for you and he paid for me. But if we don't have Jesus, you know. No, no, no. People mm -hmm. who have done evil yeah. when he alive, when he was alive. Uh -huh. uh, when they when they hear the God's voice uh -huh. at the judgment day, yeah. uh, uh, they will be condemned from God. Uh, okay, they will 
condemned. They will face their condemnation. Yeah. Yeah. Right. I, I, I just want to know the way, the method. How they will mm. experience that condemnation. Uh -huh. How God condemns them. How does he condemn them? Okay. Um, again, we are going to continue this uh, lesson on Monday. Um, and we'll be talking about how they will be condemned. But Maybe you forget it. No, oh no. Just remind me. I will. Okay. You'll see, you'll see, because you'll see what the real punishment is. But, um, but basically, one thing we can understand from Christ's words, okay, nobody is there right now in hellfire being condemned. Mm -hmm. He says the time is coming in the future. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, that's good to know. It's good news. Sometimes when people preach, they say, okay, as soon as you die, if you're bad, you're going right to hell. You're going to suffer. You're going to burn right now. Right? Okay. And so many times we hear some sermon like that. But sometimes it's uh, effective ways. It, 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 it became... It well, it scares people to death, right? <laughs> they're, they're scared to Jesus. <laughs> they don't love Jesus. They're scared so much. <laughs> right? Okay, God has a, another motivator, I believe. It's very powerful, even more powerful, and it's called love. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah, it's like scared straight, right? Scared stiff. Okay, um, so we're going to be finding out, okay, what does Jesus really say about the subject of hellfire? Yeah, and about the life and about death and resurrection. We're going to be studying about that um, in our lesson next week. Um, tomorrow we will still have a lesson. We'll have our science feature. Okay, for tomorrow. So why don't we have a word of prayer? And then we'll finish. Our Father in heaven, we thank you so much for this day. And thank you, Lord, for the things we could learn together. Um, please help us to understand well about your words and uh, to have your true love in our hearts. Um, please guide us, Lord, as we continue in this class. Please bless our class time tomorrow. And also during this day, help us to experience your true peace and your blessing in our lives. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.